Welcome to the Davy Tree Expert Companies podcast, Talking Trees. I'm your host, Doug Oster. Each week, our expert arborists share advice on seasonal tree care, how to make your trees thrive, arborists' favorite trees, and much, much more. Tune in every Thursday to learn more, because here at the Talking Trees podcast, we know trees are the answer. Well, this week, in honor of Thanksgiving, we are talking about trees to be thankful for, which trees provide us with many benefits. I'm joined by Jason Parker. He's a district manager at the North Philadelphia office. How are you, Jason? I'm doing good, Doug. So when you think about that, when you think trees with benefits, where do you where do you go with that? What's your first thought? Uh, boy, it's a, it's a tough place to start um, because there are just so many benefits that they provide. Um I think I start to think about the, the scientific ones first because I'm a little bit of a tree geek. Um, things like uh, you know the, they use the carbon up that uh, you know we of course breathe out. Um, all the benefits around water and runoff, erosion controls. Uh, there's just so much, and then you get into the, the maybe the less the ones that other people probably think about more. Things like shade and uh, privacy things like that. Um, there's an awful lot to be thankful for when it comes to trees. And of course, you and I are thankful for trees because they give us a way to make a living. <laughs> <laughs> yes, there's that piece too. But not only do they give us a way to make a, a living because um, we obviously do a lot to care for them, but we need other people who care for them too. Because if customers didn't care about their trees, then I wouldn't have a job. So let's talk a little bit about big trees. And, and what they can provide for us. Yeah, so big trees um, provide a, a ton of benefits. Um, just like small trees, it's, it's very similar um, in the, the list of items that they, they provide for us. Um, they just do it that much more. Um, bigger tree is going to soak up that much more water. Uh, it's going to block that much more wind. It's going to create that much more shade. Um, and in a lot of cases, um, there's some value that goes beyond that um, in what they do for property values. Um, Typically, you move into a place that's got all small trees. Um, You know, it's going to have some curb appeal, um, but you move into a place with with big trees, and at least for a lot of people, not everyone, um, that's really going to be an attraction because they don't have to wait for those trees to mature in order to provide those larger benefits that a larger tree provides. Now, at this point in Philadelphia, are trees still being planted or are we done? No, we're definitely still planting. Uh, certain species are not good to plant in the fall, but uh, you can generally plant until the ground freezes. Uh, the big question is, you know, are people's um, you know, outdoor spigots still on so they can still do some watering if we're not getting regular rain? Um, but the way the weather's been in Philadelphia area for the last several years, we've been planting well into December. Actually, that's a good reminder. I'm going to have to, when we're done, I'm going to have to run out and shut down all that water because it's getting going to get cold. I don't want anything to freeze. But of course, when you're going to plant, let's say you're planning to have some big trees in your landscape and you're planting them, you have to know how big they're going to get. We know how critical that is. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we go to the right tree, right place um, sort of adage that that definitely applies. Um, hopefully, you know, if you, you're planting trees, you've got um, all the options. You'll be meeting with an arborist discussing, you know, what your goals are for the property, for that specific area, so that you do get something that's not going to overgrow the spot or not, not do well there because it doesn't have enough room. 
Uh, if you're stuck with the trees that are already on your property, now we got to figure out how we can make them survive um, in what may not be the perfect spot for them. Well, you know, I've got big trees all around me. I'm happy to have them. I love the shade. Uh, but in a declining oak forest, I am so glad to have my local Davy Arborist to guide me through this. What needs to be cut? What can wait? What, you know, uh, seriously, they're here at least once every six months because I do have this, you know, uh, mature trees. And every time I lose an oak, uh, I'm I'm planting something else in its place that I, I just want more diversity in in my woodlands. You know, I got four acres of woodlands, and so one of the trees that I've, I've added is American hornbeam. I like that one a lot. What are your opinions of that one? Yeah, I love hornbeams, um, <clears throat> and I love what you hit on there with the diversity piece. Um, that is so so critical, um, especially as we've seen insect pests come through and wipe out entire species of trees and areas. You know, we've seen lined, uh, streets lined with ash trees that are just completely barren now. So having that diversity is, is really critical. The hornbeam is a, a great one. Um, it's got kind of a nice narrow habit. So it's you can put it in a lot of uh, spots where you don't have a ton of space. Um, you know, it still has a nice privacy uh, barrier, get some decent uh, height to it. Um, I'd say that's a, that's a great choice, Doug. So if we're talking about some other big trees and we're, you know, in my situation or other situations where, where you're have long term planning for a space and you want to put in a big tree, talk about some of your favorites and maybe some that are really great for wildlife, too. Yep. So definitely my favorites are going to be um, probably in the oak family. Uh, I really love the, the white oaks. Um, it has a very symmetrical, very what I would consider typical tree-like shape to the canopy. Um, they don't have a ton of uh, insect and disease problems, um, just a couple little things to keep your eye on. But they're a really nice, mature shade tree. Um, I love them. Of course, you get into the red oak family, there's, there's a lot of stuff there. Um, get into any of the, the maples, the sugars. Um, the red maples, you're seeing those fall colors right now. Um, it's a spectacular year for fall color, and those things really pop uh, in the fall. Um, so they're another good one. Um, I like sycamores a lot. Um, London plane trees is actually the hybrid uh, version that's uh, available in most nurseries now. And uh, that's just another um, really nice one. Quick growing. It's got some really interesting bark, kind of gives it that camouflage look um that uh it's, it's really neat so it's got some interest all year long all great big mature shade trees i need you to school me on a couple things okay i don't know the difference between my oaks is how do i how do i learn that do i do that by leaf identification because i i you know on all these interviews that i have people you know people always talk so highly of oaks when my local arborist comes, he says, oh, that red oak or that white oak. And then I hear about swamp oaks and uh, pin oaks. And just how do I how do I learn about that on my property? What's the best way to do that? All right. Well, the easiest thing to do is going to be to break them up in one of two categories, um, red oak and white oak. Those are kind of the two mains. Um you know, things like pin oak fall into that red oak category. Things like swamp oaks uh, typically fall into the white category. So you're going to be able to get pretty close um, to, you know, by just identifying the family. 
And the biggest difference there is, you know, it, for the most part, um, white oaks are going to have a rounded end to uh, the leaves, um, whereas red oaks are going to be more pointed. So that'll kind of get you close. And then within that, there are so many varieties that uh, you, you probably need need an expert after that. And then I need help on sycamore and London Plain. I, I know they're different, but how are they different? To me, they look the same, but how are they different? Yeah, that, that's a tough one to really tell uh, the difference. Um, some people think that we, the bark um, is a little bit whiter um, on one of them. I, I tend to see them both very, very similarly. I think that is more of a, a question of uh, exact location. Um, so I don't think that's a good way to go. Uh, the best way to go is the fruit comes as either a single um, fruit per stem or um, they come in pairs of two and uh, sycamore single. And in most cases, if I go to the nursery, is it going to be London Plain? Most cases, um, because the sycamores um, get a disease called anthracnose. So they're trying to breed that out with the, the London Plains. Um, they've done a pretty good job of that. You could probably still buy a sycamore. Um, it's not like an ash where they're, you know, no way is anybody going to sell um, one of those. Um, but you're, most of what you're going to find is the, the London Plain. And you're going to be better off with the London Plain. Is that right? Because of its disease resistance? Absolutely. Yeah. Same thing with the, with dogwoods and things like that. These hybrids that they're putting out there, uh, you're gonna they're gonna be your best bet. Um, I know sometimes people want to stay with with the natives, which is great, um, but sometimes the native isn't gonna be the most uh, insect and disease resistant. So you kind of got to weigh your options there. So I'm so thankful for my my big forest here, and like I said, the shade and the beauty. You know, the beauty of these trees, not just the, the canopy, but the bark, uh, the, the nuts, the seeds. But let's talk specifically wildlife. You know, when I think of wildlife, I'm always thinking oaks because of all those acorns. But and caterpillars love them. Uh, but let's talk a little bit about wildlife from your standpoint. Yep. So I would say, you know, in an uh, urban environment, I mean, obviously we get deer and, and things like that in, in this area as well. Um, but kind of birds, squirrels, um, if you're trying to do something for the nature that you probably have in your backyard, those are the kind of things that you're going to want to go for. And uh, kind of two go-tos there that are sort of smaller size ornamentals um, are going to be anything in the crabapple family. Uh, again, there's a lot of hybrids available out there. You can get them in white flowering, pink flowering. They're one of the first ones in the spring. So they've really got some, some nice interest. And a lot of them have pretty decent fall color as well. Um, the other one that we go to a lot is the hawthorn. Um, you do need to have the right spot for that because it does have um, a thorn on it that is not going to be something you want at eye level where you got kids playing or something like that. Uh, however, uh, if you got the right spot for it, uh, it has a nice red berry that stays on all through the winter. Um, there's some other varieties that have different color berries as well, um, but they're really nice. They're very vibrant um, and the, the birds seem to love them. So a um, couple good options there. All right, let's go back to crab apple because, uh, you know, I have the old fashioned crab apple, uh, you know, every other year, maybe even more. So I'm getting apple scab. I'm losing foliage. I'm sure you've seen it. But these hybrids are also more disease resistant, right? 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, and and the, that's the right way of putting it, too. It's disease resistant. They're not disease proof. Um, doesn't mean that they can't still get some. But the idea being that the hybrids are, even if they do get a little bit of apple scab or rust, they're not going to drop their leaves. That's what's really um, the, hard on the trees is when they have to produce a second set of leaves in the same season. So if we can get them to stay, uh, keep their leaves on, either through treatments or through planting the, the hybrids, um, it, it's going to go a long way to keeping them around and, and healthy for you. Well, can I put you on the spot for some hybrid crab apples that you like? Uh, or how would I find, like, I've seen them out there, but how do I find, I'm a sucker for double flowers. I love doubles. And I've seen some crab apples out there, not a lot, but here and there with double flowers. What would be my best way to to find something like that? Is it just at my local nursery or do I have to go to a big catalog? How would you do that? If you if you were like me and you wanted a double flowering crab apple, because I love crab apples, uh, but I want something like I want something more modern, more disease resistant, but also with a cooler flower. Yeah, absolutely. So what I would probably start with is um, I don't want to say stay away from your garden centers, but go to a, a nursery that professionals use. Um, sometimes those are wholesale only, so you may not be able to get in the door. But if you can find one that is also open to the public, um, they're probably going to have your highest quality plants. Reason being, everybody who's doing a lot of planting is usually providing some sort of warranty. They're only going to buy from people that are providing high quality plants just from a good business standpoint. So go there and typically you're going to have one or two guys on staff, uh, guys or girls on staff that are really knowledgeable um, when it comes to some of those more exotic versions. Um, the only thing you want to watch for is if you get too exotic, um, you know, you may pick something that's not right for the area or isn't, isn't going to thrive. Um, so balance between that. Um, but there's there's a lot of hybrids out there. There's I mean, there's probably hundreds of varieties of dogwoods. Um, chances are pretty good. They'd be able to point you in the right direction and let you know if there was a chance <clears throat> that it was going to make it. Crab apple. You said dogwoods. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Yeah. About that. Yeah. Yeah. This is so funny because I had dogwoods on my mind. I was just going to throw out that scarlet fire dogwood that I've seen. Uh, I did a story on it years ago and it first came out. Have you seen those and are they viable for, for our area? They are. And what's interesting is every nursery's got its own sort of twist on, um, you know, how how they name them. So you, you got to kind of uh, narrow it down to exactly what it is, what your nursery is calling that one or wh- whoever they're getting it from. Um, and yeah, I mean, there's there again, you know, the best thing to do is talk to someone who plants locally because they're going to know. I mean, you know, you go online and, and they're going to tell you that anything is good in, you know, this category. And, you know, that may not actually be accurate. The, the professionals that are out there doing it every day, they're going to be able to give you the best advice for sure. You know, once you said that, I know of two places and I'm, I'm in Pittsburgh. I know of at least two places like that. Uh, that the pros use, but are also open to the public. That's what I'm going to do to find my my crab apple, and maybe my dogwood too. I I, <laughs> I want to find one of those something like that scarlet, just with a you know not Cherokee princess, not the pink. I want that redder one if I can get it. You know, this opens up an interesting question. When all these like newer hybrids are coming out, 
how do you know when it's okay to put it into someone's property, you know, that it's going to do it? You know, if you had a customer like me who's like all hot and heavy about new, 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 I want something different. I want something new. But you have to know that it's going to it's going to do the job. How, what kind of test does do those new introductions have to pass for you? Yeah, that's that's a good question, too. Um there's there's a couple of things. Uh, first of all, is the nurseries that we buy from, they do their own vetting. Um, so what they'll typically do is something that's new. They might get two or three in one year and they might plant them at either a customer's property or you know, a relative's property, something where they can monitor on it, it on a regular basis. And they're going to kind of do their own testing locally to see if what they feel like is probably a good choice for the area actually is. Um, so that that's kind of my key is when they're, by the time they're starting to bring things in, in any sort of real quantity, they're comfortable with it. Um, and that, that means a lot to me. Um, anything first year, I mean, I, I would test it out on my own property, but I'm not going to test it out on a customer's, you know, you're spending that kind of money, making that kind of investment with us. We want to make sure that you've got the right tree for the right spot. And, and we know that it is that tree. Makes good sense. Makes good sense. I like that. <laughs> so when talking about, we'll finish up with a, a few little thankful uh, comments, you know, mm-hmm. like I said, for me, I'm so thankful to have these trees, but I, I'm, you know, I'm not blowing smoke when I say I'm so thankful to have my local arborist to help me manage this because without it, I wouldn't know what to do. You know, these are big trees. And, you know, if one looks bad, you know, I, I just had one removed that I didn't even know, you know, I'm, I'm supposed to be the guy I'm, I'm, I'm hosting this, a talking trees podcast. I'm supposed to be looking up and looking down and I had a huge tree right over my garage that I didn't realize was was on its way out and I mean it's a big one where they had to come in with trucks and a a, a, a big uh what do you call that thing a bucket mm-hmm. you know this but thank goodness that when my arborist comes he's not just there for my one little thing that I want to talk to him about he's looking through everything so I'm thankful for that all right you finish us finish us off Jason with some other thankful thoughts about trees and working with trees yeah, absolutely. I think that uh, that that goes both ways, Doug. We're thankful to have customers like you um, that really care about um, the environment. They care about their trees um, and they're interested in preserving them. Unfortunately, there's a lot of um, people out there um, that get bad advice um, from people who are not arborists or not concerned about caring for their trees. And so the advice they often get is to remove them. And unfortunately, once we hit that stage, there's not much more we can do, obviously. Um, So we're thankful to have people who are are interested in preserving their trees um, that reach out to us and we can start those relationships. Um, All right, Jason, that is a great way to finish. I thank you for joining me again. It was very fun, and uh, you schooled me on a lot of good stuff. I I like that, and I'm sure the listeners do too. Thanks again for your time. Yeah, thanks a lot, Doug. It's always good to take a minute to be thankful, don't you think? Tune in every Thursday to the Talking Trees podcast from the Davy Tree Expert Company. I'm your host, Doug Oster. Do me a favor. Subscribe to the podcast so you'll never miss an episode And as always, we'd like to remind you on the Talking Trees podcast, trees are the answer.